welcome to the Take Your Data Points and the Goals Will Come podcast. I'm Cahill and he's Brian. Hello. We are down to the semi-finals now. The season, it's weird with the condensed format. Like, I feel like we've had so much more, but also it's kind of stuck up on a, on me that there are only three games left now. It's it's almost it's almost a pity, really, isn't it? It's it's been a very very enjoyable championship. Uh, I think the new provincial system has been great. Tons more interesting matches, and not least this weekend, where I have to say we we both got the we we got the results we wanted from from both matches. Definitely, and we're we're actually both right as well. Actually, both our predictions came true, which is uh, something to celebrate. It is. Yeah, considering Pewter was so heavy-handed in the favour of Kilkenny. It, it gave Kilkenny, I think, something like an 88% chance to beat Limerick, something like that. I'm I'm hoping that this uh, that same that same stacked odds stacked against us <laughs> could work in favour of a certain match we're going to discuss. Yeah, but, uh, we'll get into that later. We'll get into that later, is but, right. Uh, I suppose start off with the match that will lead to that match. Clare versus Wexford. Parky Cueve. Cork. On a Saturday, so that lots of people weren't bothered driving down and finding parking in Cork City Centre. At three o'clock <laughs> in the day with the marquee on that evening. And also Super 8 matches to watch and also World Cup apparate match commentary to watch. And I think was Wimbledon still on that day or was that the day after? It was still on that day. Yeah, uh, yeah it was. It was both days that weekend. So yeah, it wasn't It wasn't a good schedule. Only 10,000 people were there, but we were amongst them. Clare 27 points, Wexford 117. Can I first say, right? Yeah. And I know a lot of the articles are like dismal crowds and appalling crowds and, you know... Tweeting it, tweeting how it was ruining their sofa experience, seeing so few people there while they were cosy and not making the drive over themselves. I mean, fair enough if you have mobility issues, fair enough if you work on Saturdays. But the people mm. tweeting and complaining about the fixture mostly were not those people. Mostly they were just too no. lazy to, to go down themselves. I mean, to be honest, like, it was, it was just the sort of commentary that really annoys me about, like, okay, so what? Like, clearly it didn't bother the players so much that they went off and just did what they needed to do. I'd also point out that there were actually more Clare supporters than there were Wexford supporters. Yeah. Which was interesting in itself. Surprising given the reputation. Normally the Wexford supporters, very enthusiastic, very excited, and I feel like that enthusiasm had waned a lot. And actually, you know what, people have pointed out for this match, but... The other semi, the other quarterfinal, which we'll get into later, which most people found like a very, very good match or whatever, it kind of got forgot gets forgotten that that had under twenty thousand as well. Even if you had mm. a double header, that number of fans, it wouldn't have filled either Parky Guive or Semple Stadium. Yeah, like combined, it, it wasn't great either way. I think people just people just don't really care about when your quarterfinals. Like they, they will get back into the hype train if you get to a semi, but they kind of there's a wait and see approach, and we've seen in previous years we saw it this year. I don't think it was mm. necessarily because they put it on in Cork or they didn't make it a double header. I think a lot of people just aren't that pushed. Though so clearly people really, really like double headers because double headers are great, to be fair. Yeah. You have two matches for the price of one. Also, I could still say without a doubt that the new format is far better than the Smelly Super 8s, which is just dire ever since it was announced i would, i just found it like so you're gonna just as you begin to get down to the, like the last few stages and the excitement is building you slow mm. everything down and stop it and suddenly you have these games that don't necessarily mean anything yeah like what the hell it just kills all momentum and i think people now that they've seen the first round are starting to agree they might get more exciting as you get into the later rounds but oh my god it's just gonna drag it's gonna drag on the summer think of how much more ex- exciting it would have been if like Kerry were knocked out by Galway already. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Things like that could have happened. But anyway, I, and also, uh, yeah, before we get back to hurling and, you know, stop mocking, I will say one of the best tweets I saw as well was uh, just like a day after. There needs to be a tiered Super 8s. Like after the Roscommon Tyrone match. It's like there clearly needs to be a tiered Super 8s. Oh, there it does. Yeah. They need, it is going to be a many tiered system is what they require. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Just muck. Absolute muck. Yeah. Right. Look, let's not despoil spoil this podcast by talking t- talking of the lesser game. Let's move on to hurling. Yeah, we had a great time at this one, being Clare mm. fans. I think a lot of people watching on TV found it a bit disappointing with how one-sided it was. I was very happy to have it be as one-sided as it was. Oh, easily. <laughs> that was great performance by Clare. I think this match, if you want a template to know how to take take on this Wexford team in its current form and its current uh, strategies, 
just watch how they played them. Positioning was great, decision-making was great, passing was great. They never got sucked into Wexford's game. I think coming into this, a lot of people were worried on the player side, you know, that Davey knew Claire really well and he'd know how to set up against them and everything. But really, I think it turned out that the Clare team knew Davey really well. Yeah, like, and I would have said as well, it was pretty interesting to note. I was particularly noticeable in the first half. I don't know why. Usually I don't take notice of these things as much as I should. But in the first half, you could see, essentially, they just crowded the middle. Mm. And that really seemed to be an effective tactic. And to be honest, Clare were just winning ball left, right, and centre. Particularly on kind of, well, say, more more of those 50-50 balls, which usually don't really go 50-50 in Clare's way. And and usually, like, for any of the shots that were deflected, there was someone on that breaking ball just to move it along. Their positioning, it was some of the best I've ever seen from Clare. And a, a, a lot of people were saying, watching on TV, and it's actually... When I went back and watched the highlights later, it did look like this. It looked like Wexford were the lethargic. It looked like they were flat. It looked like they were slow. But when you're at the match and you could see what was going on, kind of off the ball, things like that, a lot of the Wexford players mm. were faster. A lot of them looked fitter. Yeah. But they were just always in the wrong place. They just didn't have that same kind of cohesion. And yeah, they, it just looked like player had much more efficient movement. They didn't, they didn't need to run as much or run as fast because they just got into the position they had to be in and, and set up really well for all the breaking balls. Unless a Wexford player caught, caught it clean, almost mm. always a player, player would just be ready for the deflection or if the ball went past them, like they'd just be ready to scoop it up. Wexford actually reminded me, um, funnily enough, of Clare maybe two years ago, mm. which... I suppose it would make sense given, you know, given that it was Davey managing two years ago. I suppose from a Wexford point of view, it was a case of very fit, but couldn't really utilise that in any way. Yeah, exactly. Just couldn't utilise that in any way that actually made for actual points on the board, for putting points on the board. Exactly, yeah. Lee Chin appeared with one point, and that was maybe about it. I, I didn't really notice him all that much. Yeah. Throughout the game, you know, you had some, like, I mean, there were some kind of standout performances, all right. Connor McDonald had a great game with 1 3, and Rory O'Connor yeah. scored nine frees and a point uh, from play. No one else scored more than a point then for Wexford. It was just very, yeah. like, there were two players who did all the lifting on the offensive end, and then very few to kind of keep going beyond that. And normally Wexford are a team where you'll have the back scoring, you'll have everyone scoring, everyone's contributing offensively. So it was very strange. Like when you watch, we, we've said before, we've said almost af- after almost every Wexford match, their number of wides has been killing them. And kind of so on this one, it's not, it's, it's really not that they have bad shooters. It's just that their shooters are taking bad shots. They were taking a lot of really wild shots that like maybe one in every 10 games, you'll get most of them and then you'll hammer a team mm. unexpectedly. But most of the time, all you get are loads of wides. They're just too unreliable, the, the shooting from well within their own half. There were a lot of wides for Wexford. It was something, obviously, they, they hadn't really managed to improve on in terms of the shot-taking was not their finest. And a lot of, a couple of frees as well, like crucial uh, crucial points in the game where you'd want to put, you know, rack up a few easy points just went wide. You know, when Conor McDonald got that goal, I mean, there was maybe two or three point opportunities that they took that they missed. They weren't able to push on. To reduce the game to like something like a two from five points to two points, um, the closest they got was within three points. And to be honest, at that stage, Claire just kind of motored on. Yeah, Claire just kept doing what they were doing the whole game, and things clicked back into place. And I guess the the law of averages just meant that they started upping that that scoring margin again. Yeah, Wexford, it was it, they had a brief kind of run with that goal, but. Like, even the goal was immediately followed by a clear point. It's just they, they couldn't really build on it. They couldn't get a solid head of steam built up. So, I suppose from a clear perspective, then, you had Tony Kelly had a great game. Five points from play. Incredible. I think Claire's most complete game offensively we've seen mm. in a long... Like, tons of different players scoring. As I said, Tony Kelly, five points for all from play. Shane O'Donnell, who's... You know, he's been doing very well kind of setting up other players, but he hasn't been scoring himself lately. He came out with four from play. Yeah. Uh, John Connan, consistent. Uh, again, this season's three from play. Horikon's Collins, David Reedy putting up a couple. Peter Duggan then, seven points from freeze. Like, just contribution from loads. It was... And it was great. Actually, it was probably Colin Malone's best game of the season. Mm. Easily. Definitely. Yeah, and maybe one goal aside, like, the backs were pretty solid were pretty solid as well. I mean, there was a second goal attempt that was um, David McInerney blocked, mm. which was which was great work. And like the backs were definitely more organized and more efficient at clearing the ball when they really needed it. There was never really, after that first goal, there was never really 
many other occasions past that that really presented a direct threat to Clare's goalkeeper, Dolatui. I, I would have said for Wexford it was a case of it's a case that they need to take that next step. Mm. And how that next step is achieved is probably the question on everyone's uh, is, on everyone's mind really. Is it, is it time to, to bash the sweeper again? Is it time? Uh, I, I I suppose it is, I think, yeah. Okay, because um, I, I, I have notes on this one. You don't win on <laughs> Ireland some sweeping. I'm going to, I, I will just say this, because normally, like, I will defend different tactics. I think it's always good to try new things and so mm. on. But I think here, the sweeper just totally limited Wexford. I don't think it has in every game. I think other games it works very well. But in this case, normally, when Wexford plays sweeper, they do it a bit differently. They don't have it be ultra defensive. Normally, the sweeper hands, hangs back and he can fired it up, and let the other backs push forward. And you end yeah. up with backs like Dermot O'Keefe scoring. You end up with kind of everyone moving around, making use of their fitness. But in this game, like, they had to have a person back to keep John Conlon in check, as most teams have had against Clare this year. Like, he's just been on an incredible run. Tony Kelly having an incredible game. They had to have someone back for him. Shane O'Donnell having the best shooting game he's had in years. <laughs> so in the end, you had their entire back line totally pinned back. No one could push forward. Mm. And Claire then were just happy to kind of sit around the 45-meter line mark and just fire from there and take all their shots from there. And, you know, did that very successfully. 27 points without a goal. You know, that you don't do that while getting a ton of wides or, you know, missing a lot of opportunities. Like, they just had very steady reliable shooting and Wexford just couldn't do that much they'd kind of pinned themselves in place mind mind you Tony Kelly was allowed to roam free essentially because they're back whoever was marking him couldn't keep up with him yeah. at all like I mean Tony Kelly was <laughs> was never really in sight of I could never figure out who was supposed to be marking yeah. him because he was never really around Tony at all <laughs> as well with the sweeper by having an extra man back yourself you're giving the opposing team an extra man back too I think that's mm. possibly as well what helped Claire's backs, what helped limit it to only one goal, was just Claire were kind of free in the backs too, but they had the extra offensive freedom and just mm. were able to make more out of it. Yeah, I think I think Claire, having kind of played under similar systems themselves, they just knew exactly kind of what worked against it, what to do against it. And yeah, they just, they played it perfectly. They kept their composure. Even when it got in three points, they didn't panic. Other people in the crowd did. I was, the person next to me kept shouting. Anytime they took like a sensible pass to someone who was free, he was just like, ah, would you like fire it up? Like, get rid of it. And it's like, no, this is, stop trying to send it up into the backs with the sweeper. Instead, just like, shoot just, wildly. You know, give it, shoot give it wildly. To players who are free and they will, you know. Shoot into space. <laughs> no, the the Clare team, they definitely, they knew what they were doing. Great, great all-round game. I think Clare have had some brilliant flashy moments throughout this year. You know, they had the mm. unexpected winning margin over Limerick. They had the great comeback against him. This game wasn't flashy, but I think it was just very complete. I think it was the most fundamentally sound game that they've played, which I think is really what this Clare team have needed for a while, is just mm. a game like that where they show can show like they're not always relying on just putting together occasional big scoring runs. This is a game where they're just steady the whole time, and it's yeah. great to see. From a Wexford perspective, yeah, I think I think it's a case of they just need to vary it up a small bit more. and I don't know, maybe focus on more the skill-based aspect of their game i mean the fitness is something but mm. they're definitely there fitness wise but as you said earlier they weren't able to translate that their first touches were off their shooting you know was off their decision making was kind of off they it, like they were very fit but they weren't able to make use of that extra energy it wasn't going mm. anywhere you know they they were r- running all over but not to where they needed to be Overall, look, I think that it's a kind of interesting as to whether Davey will stay on for another year. I think he, like, maybe they should give him the chance. I think what would be crucial for him would be just a case of actually making some changes, learning from the quarterfinal and actually, you know, varying it up, varying up his tactics, I suppose, for his games. Like, I'm sure he does in, in some regard, but like, I mean, maybe losing the sweeper system for yeah. certain games or you know just varying it up a bit keep yeah, your opponents I think, guessing um, i think my opinion for wexford going forward like i, I think most, everyone can agree they've kind of plateaued a bit this year last year they got really good really quickly and this year they just kind of mm. they, they didn't go below that level like they stayed you know as kind of a top tier team but they didn't make the push they needed to be a real contender and even you know if even the pewter agrees if you look if you go on the website if you go to the ratings page go through Wexford's history this year it's just stayed pretty much level they've just kind of oscillated around the point that they're at now and haven't gotten any better or worse 
this year. I do think they're unlucky in Leinster getting four matches in a row. I think if they hadn't had that, they possibly would have beaten Kilkenny. They probably would have gotten you know, into the Leinster mm. final. But they still wouldn't have been good enough to beat Galway. And I do think, like, the sweeper thing, teams have kind of figured it out now. You know, you saw in this game, Clare pay- played them perfectly. Galway played them perfectly in Leinster. Uh, Kilkenny played them perfectly in the league. Most of the top-tier teams kind of have an idea of how to take it on now. I think a lot of people want Davy to push, you know, just kind of go back to the traditional setup and see how that works for them. I'm not going to agree with that because mm. I think this Wexford team, they're still interesting and they play a little bit weird and they're maybe not fundamentally sound, but their conditioning's great and they have some, like, a weird mix of skill sets. You know, as I said before, mentioning players like Dermot O'Keefe, who's a back who's good at shooting... I want to see Davy invent something that we just haven't seen before. I don't want it to be a sweeper. I don't want it to be a traditional formation. I want to see something totally new and wacky that plays to the strengths of the team that he has. I want to see what he can do integrating maybe new players coming in from under-21s or minors, you know, this year. Because mm. I think depth has been a problem as well. You look at who they had to bring on off the off the subs bench, and it wasn't anything like what Claire had or what teams like Limerick or Galway have. Yeah, I and I I trust in in Davy and his passion and his his faith in kind of uh, novelty that he can create something that we have not seen before. That you know it it might take other teams maybe another year or two to figure out, and by that stage he might have snuck through and, and gotten a bit of silverware for them. We'll see. Yeah, and I suppose look for Wexford, for you our Wexford friends, the war is over. For Clare, it's. Uh, it's a case of, well, people may not have found it most most exciting match. I think it was probably their most consistent match that they've had to date. It was a, a very solid performance. I think they should have a lot to be happy about, particularly tactically how they set themselves up. So really, I suppose it's kind of onwards and upwards. Semi-final for the first time in five years. And honestly, like, it feels like a long time. It feels overdue, but... This is the best they've played, I think, since 2013. This was, oh, they, were, easily. they were definitely deserving. It is arguable that the other years, they kind of did go, deserve to go out in the quarterfinal stage, maybe last year, the year before. Well, maybe 2016, I think, well, unlucky to be drawn against Galway and maybe unlucky to, I think they put too much into the league that year. Not that I'm disappointed because yeah. I'm glad to have seen them win a league, but they were a bit dead by the quarterfinal stage. But moving on anyway, like, this has definitely been the best they've played since 2013. The new format means there's no flukes anymore. To get to the semifinals, you've had to earn it one way or the other. There's no easy draw through. And it's going to be a hell of a job trying to take on Galway, I think, for any any of the th- other three teams left in this. But you know what? I think they have as good a chance as they've had in, in several years of beating them. It'll be interesting to see. We'll get into it later. That's it. That's it. That's a, what we call a little teaser. I'm just happy to have a, a day in Crow Park now for... A game that isn't, you know, Lancashire versus Sligo. Yeah. They're they're less solid units on both teams. <laughs> to say the least, yeah. I, I had fun at I had fun at those lower tier finals, but uh, you know, talking about getting to the semifinals and so on, Lancashire haven't reached the, the semifinals of the All Ireland since nineteen thirteen and Donegal since nineteen twenty three. So uh I I'm I'm glad to see a team that's only been out of them for five years. It could be a lot worse, and I'm expecting to see much higher quality hurling. So, I, I suppose I see you have a final note here about the brutality. Oh, yes. Sorry, I almost forgot about this. So, yeah, also, my other Twitter beef, apart from people complaining about the attendance, were those photos that emerged of uh, fans being faithful, elderly fans being dragged off the pitch mercilessly by just the brute squad that the GA had sent out. And, it, like, honestly, looking at the photos without context, these photos look really, really dramatic and harsh, and it really does look like, Jesus Christ, what the hell? How is this allowed? Um, if you were at the match, it was not... It was not really like that. Basically, players hop the fence, the stewards made to half-hearted, no, don't, and kind of, you know, half, <laughs> like, stuck their arm out, so that, I guess, they could just say to their superiors, hey, we tried to keep them off. They let them run around for about five minutes while we cheered them on as well. Like everyone in the crowds was giving them a big cheer. They kind of did like yeah. a few laps, had, had fun, you know, high-fived a few players, whatever. And then the stewards kind of looked at their watcher and like, okay, now, yeah, come on. And, you know, that was about the extent of it. It was not anything crazy. Well, as far as I, I heard, so. right, that they took them out into the back of Parky <laughs> Cleave and waterboarded them. Straight into the league. That, that's, what I, that's what I heard. Yeah. And saw, you know, you can choose what you want to believe, but 
I know what I saw. Yeah. And heard. Yeah, we'll be sure not to say too much, though. Just in case, so that they don't come for us. That's it. Yeah. That's it. We have enough conspiracies on this podcast as it is. I think so. One thing that wasn't a conspiracy, Kilkenny and Limerick. Kilkenny versus Limerick. Sunday, 15th of July in Semple Stadium. Kilkenny, 122. Limerick, 27 points. Woo! Uh, great weekend. Clare win, Kilkenny beaten. I, I don't know if you saw on the, Sunday, on the Sunday game, but immediately after, like, Gerlach Nat even came out of the line, like, uh, uh, supposed neutral fans, because they were all just clearly delighted to see <laughs> Limerick beat Kilkenny for the first time since 1973, when Limerick won their last All-Ireland. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was a big moment. Really, really enjoyable game to watch, I have to say, as a, <laughs> as, you know, in the same way as Gerlach Nat, neutral fan. Uh, neutral fan yeah. who really wants Kilkenny to see Kilkenny lose. You could, you know, you could argue it wasn't this beautiful, flowing, skillful game or anything. It was just all passion. It was all just getting stuck in, in the driving rain, taking one another on. And I think just, it was that kind of game neither team deserved to lose, but so glad to see Limerick come out of this as the winners. I think they did deserve it in the end. I think on balance, they played better. Their shooting was better. You know, as well, it's just, it's been so long since they've beaten Kilkenny. It's been so, so long since they've beaten them in the championship game. You just wanted to see it happen. But at the same time, Kilkenny, they did not make it easy. They, God, no. They kind of like against Galway, they almost won it, not necessarily through playing better, but just being that bit more ruthless and also that goal. And, and also, I think even more so, preventing Limerick's goals. Owen Murphy was on form. Based on this match alone, Owen Murphy needs to be the all-star goalkeeper for this year. Oh, easily. Limerick should have had four goals in this, at least. Oh, easily. Yeah. Easily. He made, I think it was like three saves, one interception that prevented four, what should have been definite goals. Unbelievable game for him. Absolutely unbelievable. Do you know Owen Murphy doesn't play goalkeeper for his club? What? (laughs) Yeah, I was told this, um, I was told this yesterday. He doesn't play goalkeeper for his club. I think he's a forward. That's insane. Although that does but explain he, why he does take their long-range freeze as well. Yeah. Because he can shoot those two. He's, yeah. He's an amazing goalkeeper. He is. Yet he does not play goal, <laughs> you know, goalkeeper for his club. I don't, you know, look, that's just kind of one of those things. I thought that was pretty interesting. That is nuts. But yeah, I think I was annoyed that he wasn't man of the match. I know it can sometimes be a bit corny to give man of the match to the losing team, but my God. Oh, he should have been man he of the match. It, it would have been... Limerick winning by about 10 points if it wasn't for him, you know? Easily. I, I think, what can you say for Kilkenny? I mean, they had a great start to the game. They had a great start to the game. TJ Reid was kind of in kind of in full forward mode and seemed to have kind of great energy. And, you know, they were making great progress, kind of managed to bog down Limerick. And for 15 minutes, I was worried. I was thinking, Limerick aren't going to do this. They look kind of shaky and a bit nervous and a bit rattled. They just, after that kind of 15 minute mark, they really came back into it. They really just kind of made their mark. TJ Reid seemed to kind of nearly fall away. You know, he, he seemed to tire. A, he had an off game. I suppose he has been carrying the rest of the team all season. He's going to tire eventually. Like on, on paper, you know, seven points seems fine. But, you know, it's five frees is very little for him. Uh, and oh, very little. One from play. And he got wides, plural. Like that's oh, did, anyone yeah. else that would be allowable, but just for him, like something's up if he's not scoring practically every every time he shoots. You know, he's he's normally that accurate. So I I don't know if it was partially his own fatigue or if it was just Limerick marking him very well and kind of copying down how dependent Kilkenny have been on him. He was not perfect, and really, as we you know we've been saying all year, we weren't sure that Kilkenny would have the players to pick up the slack if he didn't pull through and. Like, Richie Hogan obviously put up a good score, 1-3. Richie Lai, four points. But they just didn't have the variety in scorers. You know, it's it's a much shorter list of people who scored for Kilkenny than for Limerick. You look at mm. Limerick, massive number of different score, people scoring. Uh, in all, you had Aaron Glant, Tal Morrissey, Kyle Hayes, Gerard Hegarty, Gary Mulcahy, Darrow Donovan, uh, Peter Casey, Seamus Fanagan, Dermot Burns, Declan Hanley, Shane Dowling. Weirdly, it's 11 players. Yeah, and then also on top of that, you also had Keen Lynch, who was always threatening. And I think often kind of he recognized that he was seen as a threat and would kind of lure in Kilkenny markers to then send an easy pass to one of his teammates who then got a nice mm. easy shot off. So like he was still contributing, just not directly. 
Yeah, huge variety. Great teamwork. Like, this Limerick team, I think my main point, if I'm going to take anything away from this match, they are meant to be the young and experienced team. And yet they have played with incredible teamwork and played in such, like, a tough, gritty match. Like, a real... They are playing as if they're the veteran team who thinks they have maybe one more good year left in them and they're going all out to to make it count. That is how they've been playing. And instead, most of them are still, like, under-21s. Yeah. Which is kind of scary uh, for the future. If they can maintain that, if they don't burn out, if, if they can if they can really make something of this, like this has the potential to be a year in, year out thrash. Uh, it feels like very early saying that, but like, my God, if they can keep that attitude, if they can hold things together, if they can avoid a falling out or avoid injuries and, you know, keep working with the under 20, what they've gotten from the under 21 success and the Napier Sheik and so on, this is a real potential to win this year, but also the next few years coming if, if nothing happens to them just it, this attitude alone is incredible yeah the tenacity i think is always something i think we've admired yeah. from limerick and i think bar one minor speed bump against claire yeah. like i think they have been it's been a hallmark of their playing style that's the thing it's, it's not even just this game we saw it against uh, cork mm. when they were man down in munster and we saw it against both claire and tip when they brought those games to extra time in the league you know and that was just mm. the knockout of the league but yeah, it's, it's become a hallmark. They just really have a, a never-say-die attitude. It's very, very impressive from such a young team and very surprising. But it makes them, I think, greater than the sum of their parts, and their parts are already very talented. I have to say, I haven't seen them I've seen them play today. Like, I mean, it was extremely impressive. Uh, not, not to take away from Kilkenny, I think Kilkenny gave a great performance, mm. I think. Oh, both teams. It, it, it just became, and what I had suspected and really kind of thought all along, that... They were just about doing enough to keep it going. And fair play to Brian Cody. I mean, Jesus, to make do with what you, you know, to make do with what you had, considering the teams you've had in previous years, he, he's done a phenomenal job. But I mean, it became soon apparent like that, that you know, Kilkenny team is not going to be a team that could take on Cork and, and has certainly proven it's not going to be a team that can really take on Galway. Yeah. We've, we've seen it already. I think they, they about hit their limit. Like, they went down kicking and screaming. And this match, they still could have won it. Like, you look at, mm. I think actually, both the plug website and give a summary of the quarterfinals. Go to the most recent kind of predictions and results uh, article where it shows the computer's predictions of who would win the match over the course of the match. And you look at Claire Wexford. Claire started start out, slight advantage. Peter expected mm. to win. And just kind of, it, it steadily creeps up over the first 25 minutes and then just kind of hangs around. You know, Claire had the match under control and they just held it and it was unlikely Wexford would come back from that. Kilkenny Limerick is just shooting up and down throughout the match. Like, it starts off Kilkenny fairly dominant, then Limerick come powering into it, like put off a bunch of points right before the half. Kilkenny make another comeback. Limerick get back under control. Kilkenny score the goal, pull ahead. You know, and then Limerick just another like quick succession points uh, just to put the game out of reach like yeah it was an incredible back and forth game like both teams should be really proud of how they play it it was just totally nuts really really tense stuff even if you're not best in either team yeah i think kilkenny unlucky and you know i think maybe i think they could have put on a great performance semi-final but i do think they would have fallen short in a final if they're against Galway or, or Clare maybe and yeah then for Limerick I think I think they're yeah they're in a great position best position they've been in for years to potentially reach the All-Ireland final now yeah essentially great stuff more of that please yeah yeah I, I again I would like to see a, a similar match uh, mm. for, for the semi-final between them and, and Cork just see something totally nuts I will get the pop I would out. be very disappointed if it's not yeah we'll get into you know Limerick going forward when we get into that semi-final match I suppose for Kilkenny going forward this is Cody's 20th full season in charge. This was the first time he had gone three seasons without mm. an All-Ireland, which is insane. Like, He's getting the he's getting the tremors. <laughs> he's getting the DTs. He doesn't know what this feeling is, but he doesn't like it. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's crazy for, like, that's unbelievable. You know, there, again, people will question now, will he go on for another year or so on? Like, but, you know, we said at the start of this year, he can do whatever the hell he wants because... Oh, yeah. This is the first time they've had a three-year run without winning in All-Ireland in his whole reign. Like, that's insane. And the thing is, even with a really depleted team, when it was kind of half players who were getting a bit too old and half players who were too young, 
He brought them to a league win, and he very nearly brought them to a semi-final. No one expected them to rebuild so quickly. I don't think had. many managers could do no. what he's done. He'll he'll be done when he says he's done, and I don't think anyone else can can push him out. Like we've we've seen plenty of times, Cody manage star players, you know, and, and keep egos in check, and you know that is that's its own discipline of management, and that's yeah that can be surprisingly difficult. We've seen a lot of managers fail in what on paper looks like an easy task. But we had never really seen him with this kind of rebuilding project before, where he had to try and bring in young players, find ways to to put them in, try and avoid, I suppose, pissing off older players who don't want to lose their spot. Well, no, he's probably used to that, but okay. But just like bringing in like a team that isn't chock full of stars, yeah. and maybe first time he had a gap in the in the treadmill where you know normally he might bring in one or two, lose one or two each year. This time it was like a total revamp, and he did incredibly well with it. And yeah, it's it's th- three years now since they last won an All Ireland. You know what? I don't think they'll be waiting even three years more for another one. I I think they'll be a threat immediately. They're they're just perennial contenders, and I don't think that's going to change as long as Cody stays in charge. There you go. So Cody to stay is what we say. If he wants, if if he wants to leave, I'll be fine with that too. That's it. More hurting for the rest of us. Yeah. So uh, I suppose on to the next. Yeah. Big thing. It is more hurling for the rest of us. If you're, it is. If you're from Galway, Limerick, or Cork. Because these are the semi-finals. Yeah. Saturday, 28th of July, Crow Park. Three Munster teams, one Leinster team. That Leinster non, team is you know, probably big enough to count as at least two. Like Even though it's yeah. from Connacht, they're just, they are very, very good. But taking mm. taking on, them on will be Clare. Clare versus Galway. A battle of titans. I was I was delighted to have Claire reach a semi-final, delighted to have a day out in Crow Park, but this is going to be a really difficult game. Galway have just looked so good mm. this year. Like, they looked incredible last year, and this year, arguably, they've been even better. Like, to go without dropping a single match in Leinster this year was incredible. You could argue they had a slip-up in the Leinster final, but then absolutely dominated in the replay. Yeah. Both them and Cork are unbeaten by the semi-final stage, but... Galway have looked so much more convincing doing so. It's really, the, the question is this year, and it has been almost all year since Leinster began, like who's going to take out Galway? And that question still needs to be answered. And I'm really hoping it'll be Clare. Oh yeah. You know, Clare, it is their best hurling that they've shown since 2013. Why not? It's not impossible, but it is going to be really difficult. I've said this a couple of times to you in person. They're going to have to throw the kitchen sink at it. Yeah, they are. I mean, absolutely throw the entire goddamn Belfast sink straight onto Galway's head. Yeah. In fairness, you know, just Belfast sink, Antrim did put it up to them in the league. Although most of Galway was still on holidays at that time. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he beat this Galway team. We've seen really strong, fish, you know, well-conditioned teams before. We've seen very skillful teams before. I don't think we've seen Mm. them both like we have with Galway working in unison. It's just really hard to find how you lose to them. But having said all that, I'm a loyal, deluded Clare fan. So I'm going to I'm gonna tip Clare in this one. I'm going to say that they can successfully throw the kitchen sink at them. You know, they've, they've done it before. They, I suppose, prior to the last few years, they had a good back-and-forth rivalry with Galway where they'd not, each knock one another out in different years of the All-Ireland. You know, it's not so long ago Clare were capable of beating Galway. You know, they, they may have tons of different scorers and Joe Canning and incredible physicality but Claire are they know how to hurl they know how the games work they know the rules of the game basically they have a non-zero chance of winning and uh, I'm going to give my half-baked theories of, of how they can beat Galway oh please do number one uh, the entire Galway panel could be felled by congenital heart defects uh, moments before the match thereby giving Claire the walkover mm. slightly more realistically Galway could have an off day similar to the drawn Leinster final, and if that happens, Clare will have better scoring from play than Kilkenny. Therefore, if, if it goes into that kind of match, Clare will just be able to sk- score that little bit more uh, than Kilkenny did under similar situations, and Clare will win. Yeah. Sli- slightly, you know, trying to force together stats to support me here. Last time Galway played Dublin in this year's Leinster Championship, they only won by a point. Now, admittedly, that was a, a kind of rubber match. It didn't mean anything, and Galway weren't really trying, but I'm just saying they only won by a point. Last time Clare played Dublin, uh, which was twenty seven league, so twenty seventeen league uh, relegation match, Clare won by eight points. Uh, therefore, by transference, Clare should beat Galway by exactly seven points. I think we're into dodgy maths territory. 
<laughs> well, you know, two two more theories. Uh, number four, at the heavy underdogs, Claire will have no pressure or expectations. They can go out, have fun, have their day out in Dublin. Uh, whereas Galway is favourites to win back-to-back championships, they'll just be crushed by the weight of expectation, and they'll revert to the Galway tradition of turning on their teammates who play for different clubs to them. They do, mm. you know, it'll just that that you know lizard brain, just the instinct of Galway hurlers to for infighting. It'll it'll just happen out of nowhere. It's possible. And uh, final theory, and I think this one, I think this is the most valid one personally. You can you can argue, but I think this is the realistic one here. Uh, maybe Claire are actually just secretly the best team ever, and they just didn't really want to show up, show off until now. And uh, maybe other teams have just gone easy on Galway up until now. But uh, you know, because ev- everyone likes Galway, everyone's had good nights out in Galway. They're sound. Mm. But uh, you know, maybe in this match, uh, Claire will just decide. You know what? We'll we'll finally show off what we can really do, and you know, we'll, we'll show that we are just the best team. We just didn't we just didn't want to tell anyone. Maybe. Maybe there aren't as many sound people in Galway as we think. That's controversial, isn't it? Huh? I don't want to go down that road. You know, we we have a very few listeners as is, and I know at least some of them are in Galway. I I don't want to disrupt that. I'm I'm not talking. I'm not talking to listeners. I'm just talking oh, yeah. in general. Listeners, you <laughs> know, be... you know who we're talking. About. You know that other, yeah. uh, that guy. Uh, you know, right? I used to. Live in Galway. You know, you know, him. you know yourself. Barry in accounts, huh? <laughs> So um, I'm, I'm I'm picking Claire anyway for mostly because they are my team and I don't want to turn against them. But yeah, fav- favorite is Galway. It has it has to be said. Uh, yeah, like I mean, like I mean, you would be extraordinarily optimistic or silly to say that Claire are the under uh, Claire are not the underdogs. They are clearly the underdogs for this. I think they just do need to try and draw Galway into a shootout. That's my main thinking because Galway. If it goes into a defensive gritty game, that's Galway's game. I think if they can just mm. lure Galway into playing a bit more open, a bit more flowing, then Claire will have a, a realistic chance, maybe like a 50-50 chance. Mm. I, I think tactically it'll be an interesting one for Claire. I mean, they're not going to be able to lob high balls in like anything. Like that option that is automatically ruled out. Because I think when they think they can do that, that's often when they fall apart. And really their best game is when they're doing the short and mid-range passing. Maybe it'll suit them just going for that off the bat. I don't know. You never know. Yeah, like I think maybe the short and mid-range passing is probably their better option. It is probably their better option, and playing it low, playing it low, and you know, like you can make things quite difficult. Clare team is, you know, quite pacey at times, and you know they're not without their own physicality. I think they just have to play it in a different way to Galway. Do it. Look, obviously Galway are an excellent team. You know, have proved their metal. I don't. I don't think you really could could cause or doubt them. There is a quite a bit of. Uh, you know, I actually think there is some legitimacy in what you've said about you know there's a pressure or expectation on Galway to perform and for Claire like I would say there's not really I think they can just go and enjoy this one I I think they could just go and really just go for it because I mean honestly I would say even the most diehard Claire fan probably have some no on the back of the mind they're not the favorites for this you know really what you want to see is a great game of hurling and that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. I think I think they're more than capable of it, more than capable of doing it, and I'm going to back them 100% for doing it. Yeah, no, I think I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's great to be in a semi-final, and, you know, Crow Park, Crow Park for Clare, usually, you know, you can get good performances. Some of the optimists have, have gone on with the adage that, ah, but Clare play well in Crow Park, but I do find that a bit dubious since they haven't been there in five years, like, at all. <laughs> I think league. Cahill, the league, secret was they had to get to Crow Park first. God, <laughs> what do you not understand yeah, about it? Galway, like we saw how many finals they lost between 1988 and 2017. You know, Robert can't exactly can't swing a hurl at all in in Crow Park. They just totally forgot. Exactly, that's it. So yeah, we both have Claire. I think out of loyalty, Pewter has no such emotions or grasping at straws. Pewter is going harsh on this one. Galway to win 92% chance. Which will hark back to will hark back to Kilkenny and Limerick where it was going 88% chance. That's true. That's, yeah. We'll clutch at that straw too, will we? <laughs> we will. Yeah, I've, I've gone further. I tried uh, in my own time. I didn't publish this anywhere on the site. But just my own interest, I, I created a... An alternative model of predictions using Poisson distribution mm. based on like the last ten 
matches of each team. And in that one, Galway only has like a 67% chance of beating Clare. So, you know what? You never know. I, I like those odds better. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I use enough long words and jargon and throw enough maths together and statistics together that favor Clare, it'll be all right. Ah, oh, man, it works for most people. Yeah. We're going to vote, vote back Clare. Peter's going to go for Galway. I hope we're right. Because I'll be a very, very happy man if that's the case. Yeah. Eh, it, you know what, either either Claire win and that's incredible or else they lose to the best and you know what, they had a good they had a good year. It was it was much a big improvement over last year. Uh, and I mean, uh, I'll be perfectly honest and say you're going to have to you'd have had to face Galway one way or another. Yeah. At any leg no of the championship. Them out anytime soon, so. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, god, you either meet them in the final or you meet them in the semi-final. Have at it. <laughs> It'll be an emotional day for us, but afterwards we will have the other semi-final to just relax and enjoy as neutral fans in what mm. could be another, like the Kilkenny one, not necessarily great displays of skill, but just very enjoyable, very passionate game. Cork versus Limerick, mm. Sunday 29th of July in Crow Park. Unlike the Clare Galway one, there's it's far less clear in this one who's, who's the favourite. Cork are unbeaten, they have some terrific shooters, but at the same time seem kind of lucky to go unbeaten. They had a couple of draws in there. They haven't had a game yet in the All-Ireland where they were totally dominant start to finish. No, they haven't. Limerick, on the other hand, like, they did come third in Munster. They did have to go, you know, through a different route to Cork. They didn't get mm. into a semi-final, you know, straight away from, from uh, winning the Munster final or anything. But Limerick have played just incredibly when they're playing at their best. Some superb games. They have dominated games start to finish. You look at games, uh, you know, their game against Waterford, for example, or... I would say most of their game against Tip. I guess that went back and forth. But uh, like Limerick yeah. always looked the better team. Had the slip up against Clare. I think a lot of that can be attributed to fatigue. But I think overall Limerick really, really good. But at the same time, again, not perfect. Because as we had slip up to Clare. And yeah. a bit of hot-headedness too. You could argue that they should have beaten Cork. But they got a player red carded. And you know you can't dismiss that. You can't rule out the possibility of something like that happening again. It was Aaron Galan. It was Aaron Galan yeah. who got the red card in that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean you can't... Yeah, you can't be dismissive of that. Like last year, Cork got a red card in their semi-final. You could argue that's why they lost last year because mm. they beat Waterford in the game in Munster last year. Although Munster, Waterford again, they got a red card in that game. So, you know, basically red cards cannot be totally ignored. And it's it's a valid concern that Limerick might just get a bit too hot-headed. They've been great for playing, you know, gritty hurling and really sticking in there and never saying die, but sometimes it can get the better of them and they'll just give away silly fouls that could keep Cork in this. Yeah, I, I kind of would say as well that from my own perspective with, with Cork and Limerick, I think it's a case of well, Limerick have, they have incredible tenacity. They can deliver some consistent performances over the length of a length of a whole game, which I think as you kind of rightly pointed out, not exactly something that we've seen Cork deliver. I, I, I suppose what I would say for Cork is their their forwards are have been on flying form yeah. We're on flying form in the Munster final. And I would imagine that they're going to continue that trend coming into this. I think for Limerick, like they're not gonna have to they're gonna have to get off to a strong start, stronger one than they had against Kilkenny, because really that could make the difference in terms of in terms of keeping in the game and it's probably going to turn into an amazing shootout, I would imagine as well. Yeah. And I mean, like what could you say? Like Anthony Nash is not exactly a slow keeper either. He's well able to save goals as well, so point it could be a like a point scoring back and forth competition. I think in a lot of, I think my prediction, I think my main prediction for how this could happen is it could be kind of a bit of a battle between, you know, a a team and a group of, and kind of individual brilliance. I think Mm. Cork, they've been very good this year. They frustrated everyone in Munster. Like, even though they didn't win all their games, they were never beaten, even when it looked like they should have been. They've they've known how to play awkward, and they've had some players, apparently, and so on, just like really play out just outstanding shooting shots that they should not have made um they've just been putting Mm. over with these but at the same time you don't see many passes to set up shots it's generally players making their own runs you know they're not getting as many kind of assists as other teams they're not doing as much team play and i suppose it's just it's in the cork psyche you know it's it's all cork is always about confidence and showing off and going out and playing but Mm. i think Sooner, I th- I think I think it's just like if they if they could embrace it, I think just embracing like a bit more of a game plan, a bit more tactics, a bit mm. more team play. I think that would make them incredible competitors. I think even without that, they have enough kind of raw talent on the team to be competing and to be in the final four and everything. And they absolutely deserve to win in Munster this year. But like, I feel like they're a little bit less than the sum of their parts. 
Mm. But if they can like get that together, and if you know over the last few weeks, as they haven't had games to play in between since Munster, like if they've just really put that time into training and get the team getting to know itself better, they could really be dangerous. And I think this could really be their year to get back into the All Ireland final. Limerick, on the other hand, um, and this is weird because Cork are the team that have been playing to get together for years. I guess they had a lot of younger players last year, but like they've been playing together a while now. They should know one another very well. And mm. Limerick shouldn't because they're the really young team, but they, they've really been playing proper United front. Uh, we were saying about in, in the Kilkenny match, like 11 different players scoring. They're not a selfish team. No. And I think it's just like, even though they are really young, I guess tons of them have been playing together at under 21's level, tons of them been playing together at the Piershig and clubs like that. And they really do know how to get the best out of one another. But at the same time, yeah, as I said, they can be hot-headed. They could maybe overpass and be a bit slow to adapt to that, as Claire were in the Munster final. Um, yeah. It, it's very even between the two. I, I think it's just very even. They both have strengths and weaknesses. I think whoever wins this will be the underdog in the final. But, you know what, they're both contenders. I think they're both valid contenders. You never know what could happen. There's a reason why they've both gotten this far. Mm. And uh, Underdog underdog in the final against Claire. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, anyway, I think whatever happens, if this devolves into a back-and-forth shootout, as it very well could, I'm just going to, as a neutral fan, I'm just going to sit back and going to make some popcorn. I am just going to enjoy the hell out of it. I think this should be, mm. whatever anything else, it should just be very entertaining if, if you're a neutral fan. Yeah, I, I think, look, I, I'm, like, I'll put my cards out on the table. I'm going to go for Limerick on this one. I just think I've liked what I've seen from them. I think maybe they're kind of maybe team-orientated focus will probably triumph over Cork's individual kind of style of play and I think as well Limerick backs probably won't be able to you know won't afford some of those Cork players as much free roam as they've had they're quite pacey themselves Limerick so I think in that department you know they're not going to have as much free reign as they've had before I also don't expect Limerick to get as many goals saved as they did against Kilkenny because that was just no And I I don't expect like an implosion either. Like they're not going to collapse. I think when under pressure, yeah. which but I don't think Cork um, will either. And they did a little bit no. last semi final. I don't think it'll be that way. I think this will be a solid match from start to finish mm. from both teams. And personally, I would really like to see Clim- Limerick into a final. That's my own bias. I I, I kind of eh, you know Cork could be fine in the final, but I'd really really like to see Limerick. This would in a be final. I think it would be devastating for Cork people's egos. It would be devastating. It'd be delicious. Limerick have. Um, <laughs> I could feast on their misery. <laughs> I will say, like Limerick have had other teams reach finals since their last win in nineteen. Like Cork people feel like it's a really long time since they've won All Ireland mm. because it's been since two thousand and five, and by Cork standards, that is a long time. Yeah, it's very Cork centric view. From for Limerick, it's been nineteen seventy three that they last won it. In that time, they've other te- had other teams reach semifinals. They've had other teams reach finals. But like compared to the this Limerick team, I think already has shown they are way better than the last Limerick team that reached an All Ireland final. Yeah, I think they're far far more talented. And I I do want to say, and I made the argument earlier, this is a Limerick team that could potentially be dangerous for years to come. But never never fall back on that. And I don't think they will. I think they'll know well enough. But I I never want to fall back on that because there there's always been teams that looked really promising when they were young and. It turned out that that big push they made when they were young ended up being their best year, and you see it in all sports. Yeah. And I don't think Limerick can. I don't think Limerick are going to take that chance. I think they're going to go all in right now, and uh, I'm going to pick them to win as as well for the same reasons. Just I think that teamwork. They have the attitude of a contender, even though they don't have the experience. They absolutely have the right attitude to be a champion team. But as I said, I'm going to make my add to the bold prediction list. Lee McCarthy staying west of the Shannon this year. That's not a bold That's prediction if, if Galway beat Clare. It is if Clare beat Galway, I think. But I'm, I'm going to make it now before we know the outcome of that. I think yeah. Lee McCarthy stays with Shannon. But I think if it doesn't do that, next most likely scenario, in, in my opinion, is that it only it just, just about hops over to the other side of the Shannon. Or maybe it stays west of the Shannon, but in that part of Limerick City, that's just west of the Shannon. You know, just encroaching into County Clare. All that to say, I think Limerick will win this. And Pewter disagrees, disagrees on both semifinals uh, to us. It has Cork winning this 61% chance. So not nearly as emphatic. It, it still has this as pretty even. Yeah, which I think is about fair, really, to mm-hmm. be honest. I, I wouldn't disagree with Pewter on this I one. think, like, in fairness, us with our human emotions, we've gotten very into the whole Limerick hype train 
with this, mm. you know, especially after they knocked out Kilkenny. Like, it was very emotional. But you can't forget, Cork still haven't been beaten, and no. they are still Munster champions. And being Munster champions or Leinster champions means so much more now under the new format than it used to. There's no, well, you know, for Cork, maybe it means the same amount as last year because they had a crazy hard draw last year, but. Mm. there's no fluking uh, provincial win anymore. You have to be really good. And I think some people have maybe forgotten that and maybe underrated Cork a little bit. So I think it's it's only fair that Pewter gives its advantage to them. So that's uh, that's kind of, that's it really, isn't it? That's kind of, that's all we have to talk about. Semi-finals. Getting exciting now. Getting close to the end. We're going to, we're only going to have three matches to talk about now next time, unless there's a replay, but I don't think there will be. Uh, I think they're. I think I'm assuming they're just going to go to injury time. Are they? We'll find out, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that but, actually. Uh, well, we'll uh, anyway, we'll probably have to start thinking of some good filler segments. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying it, it went over well last year when we did the what what animal is your county? Mm. I, th- I think we should we should revisit that segment. I have I have new opinions on these. If you have any ideas for further segments, audience, you can email us at mail at takeyourdatapoints.com. You can tweet us at tydatapoints. And what's the other one? What's the other form? Oh, yeah. Visit the website, which is takeyourdatapoints.com. Go, go, go look up those things that I mentioned you should look up. Yeah. Do all those three things and you'll be very happy. Yeah. Look at the graphs. Look at the pretty graphs. They are so pretty. I put a lot of time into mm. them. Wow, your friends and make them think you're really interesting by showing them these graphs. Precise, in- interesting stats like the last time Lancashire reached the semi-finals, which I, you know, I, I know I brought it up er- earlier, but like, is it not amazing that I had that stat at hand that Lancashire last reached the All Ireland semi-finals in 1913 All Ireland? It's it's pretty impressive, Carl. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. These are the kind of things you can learn from sites like mine or wikipedia how to how to win friends and gain influence the podcast is how you know how exciting that match actually was at the end of it i put on somebody else's jacket <laughs> <laughs> but that's the kind of a game it's it was it's a nice yeah. jacket mind you. I don't know who's hey, it here, here we are all supposed neutrals <laughs> but uh, and the excitement you understand like it was the epic to crown all epics, really, you know. And-